hey, my friends, welcome once again to the Every Single Day Missionary Podcast, episode 257. And I wanted to open by saying, hey, my friends, what is chilling? But I'll tell you what's not chilling in the Pacific Northwest, the weather. It's insane right now. Like I'm looking at my weather app this morning and over the weekend, it's the middle of October in the Pacific Northwest, the wettest part of our country and culture, the place that is almost perpetually 50 degrees all year round. And it'll be in the mid 80s. In the middle of October, it'll be in the mid 80s. And right now, the air quality, like Los Angeles is saying, man, your air quality is really bad in Seattle. Like, that's how bad it is. We got like wildfires that are not ever going to be put out until, I don't know, December or something like that. Um, So the air is bad. The temperatures are high. Fall is not fall. It's just madness, right? So, Anyway, apparently, like, I think, like, I wonder sometimes, like, when I read the Old Testament, it seems that God is all about, like, um, delegation. Like, you know, it's like he is on the throne, but then he delegates to kind of, like, sub, you know, beings, like, different jobs. And I'm wondering if, like, one dude's job is just to pull the lever for fall, and, like, he's asleep on the job right now. Like, he's like, I don't know. I'm caught up in the Mariners playoff run. I haven't pulled the lever yet. I don't know what it is, man, but that dude needs to get demoted, get another guy to pull the lever, bring fall, make it happen. Because, again, it's still my favorite time of year. And Right now, I'm looking out my window. It looks into the forest, and it just it just looks kind of like like dusty, you know, and kind of tired. It looks like like it's just kind of sad that way. So anyway, not the topic of the day, though. I know you're like Matt's really just all in this whole fall weather thing right now. I am. I'm a little bitter that it's not giving me my fall weather. Like every morning, I walk outside and I'm like, man, it's gonna be seventy something degrees in the next hour and a half. I'm not going to put on a sweatshirt. I'm just going to stay with my T-shirt, man. So kind of that's how it's going. But like I said, not the topic today. The topic of the day is me cross-pollinating a couple of different uh, news items uh, and and kind of money getting spent on things and then how that relates to the reputation of Jesus, which is then connected to the reputation of Jesus as connected by Christians in the church and why I think it's incumbent on us to always want to strive to be the absolute best, the best missionaries we can be in our American population. And I know some people are listening overseas in your context as well. Like, I I always am talking about our U.S. context because, again, that's the thing that the majority of us who listen to this, that's kind of where we live. Um, but but I know that some of you overseas, hopefully you can use these same ideas as well. So uh, let me see if I can give a sense of what this is all about. So reading a couple of articles this week about there's a new campaign. Uh, the campaign is called the He Gets Us campaign. He gets us. And so if you go to, I think it's he gets us.com. I got some stuff here. Let me look here really quick. Cause I can, uh, it's uh, he gets us.com backslash in, I think for English. Um, Cause it is multilingual. When you look at the campaign, uh, this whole idea is this uh, concept that a, a wealthy group of families have gotten together, hired a marketing firm to do a hundred million dollar ad campaign between now and like the Super Bowl, uh, And it's all about seeking to heal, reclaim, recast, elevate the reputation of Jesus within our American context. 
So they kind of looked and they said, you know what, when we do demographic studies, we see that there are these different categories of people. There are people that are like, I have no belief. I don't care about belief. I have no interest in belief. And then you have people that are on a spectrum from kind of like, I have casual belief in Jesus to I have serious belief in Jesus to I am a really regular, committed, connected person to the mission and church of Jesus. And they looked at that's a pretty big swath of people. And in that swath of people, there is a real middle ground that they feel can be reached with this ad campaign. So there are people that go, I don't really go to church. I'm not really engaged, but I am sensitive to the things of Jesus. Uh, and, and from that, they hope to kind of win that, that middle. And so it's not really connected to any one denomination or church or whatever else. Uh, Ed Stetzer is kind of one of the brain trusts behind this. I don't know if you know that name, but you know he's kind of been connected to historically Southern Baptist roots. He is uh, pretty connected to like Christianity Today, things of that nature. Um, big time missiologist guy in American culture, like church planting, pastoral stuff, everything else, and a pretty moderate guy. Like I really like Ed Stetzer a lot. So he's behind it. And then they've invited all these different people to be a part of the campaign. And so the heart behind it is to say, hey, we want to do a massive media blitz to disrupt the thinking of people on how they understand Jesus. Uh, and so they do these different little like 30 second shorts or 15 second shorts. If you go on to YouTube, for example, you can look these up. So, you know, when I'm kind of looking here, it's these things like um, Jesus was fed up with politics, too, or Jesus was a rebel or Jesus let his hair down or Jesus threw dinner parties and it's you know very modern right so it's like these black and white shots it's not trying to create recreate a 2000 year old scene but rather it's like a modern scene like you know if Jesus was a rebel and it looks like a bunch of gang members like cruising through town and doing stuff and you know like on the sidewalks but then the audit the kind of the audible side of this whole campaign is like, Jesus was a rebel. Jesus wasn't liked by politics. Jesus wasn't liked by religion. You know, all this stuff it goes, but he wasn't spreading hate. He was spreading love. He wasn't smiling, spreading violence. He was spreading healing and help and hope to the world and that kind of thing. And so it's a really cool campaign, actually. Like I look at what they're doing. It has a simplicity about it. It has a bite to it. And it definitely is designed to disrupt the stereotype that Jesus was a Republican or Jesus was a Democrat or whatever else. And it's saying like Jesus was so countercultural that either one of those sides should be probably frustrated at him. Like even in today's climate, if you really take a, a Jesus at his authentic face value, conservatives should not like him if they're really politically oriented, like the, the political ideology of the right and the political ideology of the left. Both should be offended by Jesus in some ways because Jesus was kind of offensive to power grabs and he was offensive to people that wanted to secure their way of life in their way at the cost of another person's way of life. Like that wasn't his thing. His thing was like you you give up to gain, you, you die to live, you you're great because you serve everybody like he was so backwards in that that again all all the earthly systems and all the ideologies that we try to leverage to ensure what we want out of life like he's always disrupting that right and so the campaign is kind of geared around that so they're they're going to be doing things in billboards and things on television. It's going to actually have a Super Bowl ad that's connected to this whole campaign. And so a big, big spending thing. And the heart behind this is that as they look at that mushy middle and they go, well, why is the mushy middle turned off? 
And they go, well, fundamentally, they're turned off because of Christians, that what Christians do and how Christians sound and how political Christians seem to be nowadays seems to run contrary to what is assumed of Jesus. And so they want to run this ad campaign to kind of, again, reinforce and buttress the reputation of Jesus that has been tarnished by Christians in the church, right? Here's my dilemma with this. It's not the campaign or anything else. My dilemma with this is, Jesus's reputation is not the problem, right? So I, I talk to many people. They have no problem with Jesus. They have a problem with his church. They have a problem with his followers, us as Christians. That's where the, the, the political and, and, and social dynamics all come into play in such a way that they go, there's a PR problem and it's who Jesus is attached to. His plus one is the issue. It's not Jesus, it's his plus one that's the problem. And, and this is where I go, the campaign is missing the wrong thing. Uh, I don't think Jesus's reputation is the thing that anybody is complaining about. Now, I want to be clear about that. I think some things are assumed in his reputation because if I really kind of look at the gospel message and I look at the things that Jesus advocated for, it's what I said earlier earlier, both people that are more political than they are uh, kind of Jesus oriented should be kind of offended at Jesus or Jesus is speaking into their political uh, kind of um, staunchness, if you will. And he's criticizing it. He's like, you, you are trying to use the earthly powers to get this thing that makes you feel safe in life. And that's not at all what I'm here to advocate. Or you want to be able to store up in your barns bigger and bigger things with bigger, more full barns through your system that ensures you get what you want, whether it's taking from the rich and giving to the poor or whether it's keeping money from the poor and just the rich getting richer, whatever it is, like both sides tend to have this flaw with the finances, so to speak. And Jesus disrupts all of that and says like, nah, that's not the way I roll. That's not how we change the world. This is you guys just using the wrong tools, understandable, but the wrong tools in comparison to the kingdom tools, right? So Jesus is offensive to all sides. Um, but, but that sometimes, you know, isn't always seen. And most of the time people are like, Jesus was a good guy. He cared for the poor. He was loving. He was kind. He cared about justice, things of that nature. And I go, yeah, he did. But he's also offensive to everybody at some point too. That's really true. But overall, the reputation that Jesus has isn't the problem. The plus one is the problem. It's his, it's his wife <laughs> that becomes more the problem. And that's why I think this ad campaign misses it. It needs to be more a campaign, I think, in some ways of saying, Dear Christians, the world is watching. Look like Jesus. Don't look like Christians, right? Like, like that needs to be more the cause. That our goal is not to look like a certain religious way or a certain moral way. Our goal is to look like the one that we are called to emulate. If our name is Christian, which is kind of this idea of mimicking Christ, uh, mirroring Christ, then that is the benchmark by which we want to work off of. We want to work toward looking more like Jesus as opposed to we want to have an ad campaign that makes Jesus look kind of sane, which is kind of what this campaign does. And it's a campaign that's designed to disrupt the stereotypes of how people, if, if, if there is any bad reputation that Jesus has in the minds of people, it's more because they start to overlay the reputation of Christians over Christ and go, oh, well, if your Jesus is like you Christians, then here's the problem with Jesus. And we go, well, no, no, no Jesus isn't like us Christians. Don't look at us Christians, look at Christ. But the world Anybody, I, myself, I, that's a pretty impossible task, right? If you think about it, like th this notion that says, you know what, I can just ignore everybody that claims his name and just look at him. 
The reality is everybody is going to understand him based on the people that claim his name, or they're going to assume if there's real power behind the name of Jesus, that would play out in the lives of the people that claim his name. And if they look at the people that claim his name and they don't look like him, or they don't seem to emulate the power that he promises or the heart or care or compassion or concern or selflessness that he advocated for, then they're going to go like, this whole thing is a fraud. It's just, it's just religion in the name of a great guy that nobody lives up to, right? And that's not what we want here at the Everyday Missionary. What we want to do and be reminded of is like, man, we got to fight hard to be like Jesus. So when we see this $100 million ad campaign play out and we're looking at all these little vignettes of the kind of person Jesus was, we want those to be discipleship moments for us. More than like, sweet, we have Jesus in the airwaves, right? It's like, no, these are reminders to us that just as Jesus was going to be maybe disliked by religion and disliked by the political climate, so too, if we really live like Jesus and act like Jesus, we might be the same way. Uh, Or the way that Jesus made friends and the types of friends that he made and the ways that he did that. He was a friend of tax collectors and sinners, not former tax collectors and sinners, people that were still messy in their lives. He was a friend of theirs. He chilled with them, ate with them, walked with them, embraced them, befriended them in powerful ways. And that's the space that we're meant to inhabit as well. Now, I saw this in relationship then to another campaign that is rolling out right now from the Faith and Freedom uh, Coalition. And they're investing $40 million to get Christians in 24 states to vote in a certain way in the upcoming election. Now, here's why this is interesting. Both of these campaigns are rolling out kind of simultaneously, right? And I think it's by design. Not not that the $40 million one is rolling out because of the $100 million one, but rather the $100 million one is rolling out now because it's a political season. And in the political season, we know that way more than $100 million between all the different powers of B are going to be spent to get us as Christians to not only vote a certain way, which is less my concern, but more in the voting element, it gets our passions up. It gets our um, it gets our frustrations up. It gets our sense of fear up. Uh, it gets our hostility toward others who don't agree with us kind of up. You know, the very people we're supposed to be Jesus to, we, we don't want to be Jesus to because we fear that because they may not like us as Christians, we don't want to be Christ-like to them, but rather we've got to dig our heels in. We got to stand up and fight. We got to take things back, whatever our verbiage is. And so you're actually going to have multi-million dollar campaigns at odds with one another. And we, as followers of Jesus, are in the middle of all of that. And in light of that, we have to then really begin to double down on what does it mean to look like Jesus? That, that's always going to be the key. Not what does it mean to be an evangelical? What does it mean to be a conservative or a liberal? What does it mean to be a Republican or a Democrat? What does it mean to be, you know, uh, ensuring X, Y, or Z? It's what does it mean to look like Jesus in this time? And as his plus one, what do we need to do so that people don't continue to have a reason for saying, you know what, I like Jesus, but I don't like his people, so I won't really thoroughly engage with Jesus because that would mean engaging with his people. Like, Because that's true, right? If we said you want to be really serious about following Jesus, then you get plugged into a local church, you get plugged into a community of faith, you, you do the things of Christian discipline. But the problem is if they're like, man, I dig Jesus, but I don't dig his plus one because his plus one, they get all riled up about stuff and it doesn't look like Jesus to me, then we're massively failing and we're hurting the reputation of Jesus more than helping it by far. And we're missing what our calling is. And so my challenge as we go into this new season and we think about $100 million being spent to rescue the reputation of Jesus 
all the while knowing that his reputation's fine. It's our reputation in light of his reputation that's the problem. Uh, if we want to remove people's excuses, we need to change our behaviors, right? As much as possible. And I'm not saying all of us are failing at this or all of us are bad at this or whatever else. I mean, I'm still learning and trying to grow. Like there's still things that I do and I say and I advocate that I go, is that really as ideal as it should be? Is that what Jesus would have me most do? Does that look like grace and truth or does that look like something else? See, because that's the thing we really want to fight for. We don't want to fight for our culture. We don't want to fight for our society. We don't want to fight to keep you know, people that we disagree with from, from advancing their causes. We want to be even more persuasive, more compelling, more thoughtful. We want to be out loving the love crowd. We want to out grace the grace crowd. We want to out forgive the alleged forgiving crowd. We want to out tolerate the tolerant crowd because that's the stuff of the gospel. That's the stuff of Jesus. And I believe the more that we as his followers can look like him, the more it removes reasons off the plate for people to say, this is why I don't engage this. This is why I don't engage Christianity or the church, because you people, you, you make it messy, right? Because part of the problem for me is always, like, I think there's there's personalities out there and they like different kinds of pastors for different kinds of things. And I think some kind of personalities out there, they like the pastors that rail against the populace and they rail against the public and they rail against the left and all these things because it makes us feel like then we're right and they're wrong. And I'm not that guy. I'm the one that's like, I think people have plenty of really valid reasons for not wanting to be a part of Christianity because of what we Christians have done. We do, we say, we advocate, we vote for, we push for the tone we have, the attitudes we share, like all that stuff is is like, like the millstone stuff that I talk about so often. Like we do things that cause people to not want to be a part, not because they're rejecting Jesus at face value, but they're rejecting us as his followers because they see the disconnect. And this is the thing that we want to reconnect. We want to connect our displays and demonstrations and lives with the one who has given us life, right? Because that's what it comes down to. Our old selves is dead. We have a new life in him, but that means looking like him, living like him and loving like him uh, to everybody in our sphere of influence, right? Whether we're doing things on social media, whether we're doing things in public communication, whether we're doing things in the community, whether it's just treating a server well at the restaurant, being kind to the checker at the Safeway, whatever the thing is, it's just like laboring extra hard to say, man, Every day in every way, I'm meant to be a missionary. First and foremost, it's not about my being put out by somebody not treating me the way I think they should treat me or whatever else, because Jesus speaks to all that too, right? It's us fighting to say, all right, he, he commissions us to a distinctive way of life. And maybe we haven't been doing that well, but to do it well removes excuse off the plate. And maybe even in that gives inspiration for people to want to engage that haven't engaged up to this point because they've seen the problems that they do. And so, as I think about $100 million being spent to buttress the reputation of Christ, I go, every time I see one of these ads, every time I come across one of these billboards or whatever it is, I want to stop and go, am I helping his reputation or am I hurting his reputation? Or maybe more to the point, he already has a really good reputation in the minds of people, but they don't want to hang out with his plus one. They don't want to hang out with his wife because, well, she's really different than him, right? It's like a dinner party pair that you want to invite over, but you're like, he's rad. She's difficult. That's going to make the dinner party a bummer. Well, that's kind of the same thing here, right? Like we want to be the best plus one, the best bride possible because the one we follow, 
He's so rad. And in that, his reputation is already so solid. And we want to bring our reputation up to match his reputation up. And from that, people can see what Jesus is really like, how he really changes people. And from that, my friends, we will be effective everyday missionaries.